Hello, hello. Hey, good afternoon. Hey, we did it. I'm, I'm uh, glad to hear your voice. Glad I made it. Yes. Sorry to keep you waiting. It's okay. No worries. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. I found uh, Google Chrome was not liking Anchor for some reason this morning, so I'm on a different web browser, and it works. So feeling good, man. 
How are you? Nice. Good, good. Just on my lunch break at work. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, good. I've, I've been listening to a few of your episodes. Tell me about your work, though. All right. So I am a recruiter. I help place people in job positions that they were best to see that. So that's pretty much what I do. Also, um, I'm being trained to be an on-site manager as well, too. So, mm-hmm. yes, perfect, very good. What What do you hope to accomplish with the podcast? Uh, it sounds like there's some kind of a various range of guests. Yeah, I like to have a variety of different um, guests on different backgrounds, uh, different cultures, different. Um, careers, everything. I like to learn and gain knowledge. So yep. I'm trying to build it as much as possible. I also start my own merchandise for it. So too. So very cool. That's exciting. Yeah. We're living yes. in the future. We can do stuff like that. You know, that's awesome. Absolutely. So your first topic is what are the ideal attributes of an investment portfolio? That's right. Are you ready to jump on into the interview now? Yep, that was my first question. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Sorry to yep. uh, throw us off there. Sure. <laughs> well, so, you know, the honest truth is financial vehicles are a dime a dozen. I think I when okay. I was getting my CFP uh, designation, certified financial planner designations, I counted about 450 places you can park money. But that doesn't mean it's always a good spot or that it aligns with what you're trying to do with your money. Uh, it's really the, the trouble is just that most people don't know what they don't know. And that includes financial professionals, strangely enough. Most financial professionals are uh, mutual fund sales guys or gals in disguise. And they'll point you in the one direction that they get paid. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing what you need to do with your money. Because, right. uh, you know, Des, the, the truth is where you put your money makes it act different. And I, I haven't seen it written anywhere that we all have to go risking our money in the stock market just to be an adult. True. So there's lots of places you can park money. Uh, but it's sort of like if you ask a barber if you need to get a haircut, you can bet his, you can already bet what his answer is going to be. You know, if you ask a a barber if you <laughs> want to grow out your hair and and uh, whatever, that's they're going to say no way. So you want to pick something that aligns with your values, not uh, help line the pockets of some investment advisor. So what are the ideal attributes? That's actually a really good question, Des, because it it says, what do you want your money to do for you? And and thinking about that for ten minutes, even like writing it down would probably be a really good way to uh, start your financial journey. Just saying, all right, before I go chasing after this crypto coin or this real estate deal or this you know, stock account or mutual fund or annuity or whatever it is, start writing down what you want it to do. It's just like people. You know, I don't care the label after your name. I care what you can help me do. If you can solve right. my problem, you know, plumber, I don't care if you can solve my my bathroom problem or my kitchen problem. You know, you're the you know that you're the top paid guy in my house today. Uh, if if that's my problem. So, what are the problems that most Americans have? Well, um, this was my own story. I had a ton of student loan debt. I had no liquid money, like no liquid meaning no accessible cash, and the little bit I did have socked away, it was in a taxable 401k. Taxable 401k. Um, um, so that's kind of my starting point in life. Des, why don't I hush for a minute, man? What's uh, what's some feedback you're getting from some of this? Oh, man. It's one, you have to be smart what you do with your money. You can't just put it any old where because nine, ten times it's not going to grow or do what you want it to do. You have to be smart. You have to pay attention to what you're doing. You have to study things. You can't just put it any old where. That's it. That's right. And don't let anybody tell you what to do with your money. Nobody right. should care more about your money than you do. Right. If they do, they're going to make sure it ends up in their retirement account instead of yours. Very true. Now, here's according to the Department of Labor, Des, um, the fees on the average IRA 
uh, are going to zap about a 37% of your account value in your IRA over a 35 year period. Mm. So that's, that's like a third of your money just gone to fees. So guaranteed wall street gets paid whether you win or lose. Right. Um, and so again, you want to ask yourself, is my money doing what I, what I want it to do for me? So here's a couple of characteristics does and then i'll i'd love to get your thoughts on this because i ask folks this over zoom when i'm having financial consultations with clients all across the country i ask them something sort of like this and i say you know if you could just wave a magic wand and create the perfect financial instrument to meet all of your needs what you're trying to do with your life your family your kids are going to be in college someday you know your real estate deals whatever else you want to do with your life if you could just wave that magic wand and create a brand new let's call it a 501k i don't care what you call it uh, yeah. You know, just design it yourself, you know, be Pope of money here for a minute. What sort of characteristics or attributes would your money have? And they start listing things off. Uh, I'd be curious what your thoughts would be. Uh, Desmond, I'll, you know, do you have anything that comes to mind? What do you want your money doing for you? Well, I definitely want it to grow. Man, I mm-hmm. definitely want a diverse portfolio. I don't just right. want it to put it in one place. I want it to be diversified so it's spread out to multiple places. But everything's growing and it's, right. it's all connecting. That's it. Yep. That's perfect. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I think that's a, uh, that's a key one. You got to be able to let it grow and you got to let it be connected to everything else yes. in your financial life. Um, you know, I, I see too many people, their, their money is fighting with itself. Here's an, a case in point. I was working with a doctor, made a great income, middle six figure income. And he was okay. super happy with his um, mutual funds that had gotten like 10, 11% the last two or three years. Uh, so what I was sort of surprised by when I got into some of his numbers, though, was that he was spending about $80,000 a year just to service his interest on all of his boats mm. and cars and credit cards. And to me, that's that was about a third of his income. Okay. About a third of his income just going to service debt, not to pay down the debt, just to service the debt. So, you know, we kind of looked at it in conjunction. He was very happy with all of his 401k money growing in a tax deferred way. And so we said, you know, your money's fighting with itself. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you're getting 10, 11% not guaranteed in a taxable 401k. So what does that actually work out to after tax? You know, after tax, you might walk away with about 7 or 8% in your 401k. That's not guaranteed, is it? And he said, no. And I said, well, what is guaranteed? Well, all the debt you're paying on is guaranteed. It's a negative rate of return on an after-tax bucket of money. You know, you you're sp- how do you pay off your credit cards before you pay your taxes or after? And he said, "Well, after I pay my taxes." And I said, "Well, you're 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 actually going backwards. Even though you've got a tremendous you know portfolio in the stock market, you're moving in the wrong direction. You're servicing your debts more than you're earning in your taxable account." And here's the truth. Most people uh, have low interest credit cards, low interest mortgages, low interest car loans. Most people do. Yeah. Um, they might even have zero interest credit cards. But the but the the trouble is the volume. You know, Des, it's just like you know eating our lunch, right? Uh, it's not so right. much the rate on our eating; it's the volume that's going to add to our waistline. It's the volume that kills us, not so much the rate of eating or or whatever. It's the volume that kills us. So volume of interest will wipe us out like this guy. He had low interest mortgage, low interest student loans, all that. But it was it was going to be the, the killer for him because it was about a third of his take home pay was just going to be slaves to a bank, you know, with his money. Right. OK, so so have access to the money. You said that guaranteed to you know have some sort of growth on that money. I think that's clutch and that's huge. Um, most people, I ask them a question. Hey, I don't I, I say to them something like this. I say. You know, I don't really care if you voted for the last president or not, or if you, you know, what you think about where, you know, the country's headed, whatever. What I really want to know is over your lifetime, 40, 50 years, let's say, do you believe taxes are going to be lower or higher than they are today? Mm. Now, Des, 99.9% of people say, Mark, definitely taxes are going up over my lifetime. And 99% of people, I, I'll ask them, I'll say, well, you know, how much are you putting in your tax deferred 401k? And they'll say, well, we're putting in as much as we can. And I'll say, well, is that a, is, is that a smart move, given what you mm. just told me? And they say, what do you mean? I say, well, 
what's your understanding of how those tax deferred 401ks will be taxed in the future? And then it dawns on them. They realize that they've been pouring money into a tax time bomb. Their 401k is going to be taxed in the future when tax rates are higher. So even if they do a great job in the market, now they're having to be taxed on a bigger number at a higher rate as taxes go up. The math works out where if taxes go up even by 1%, it makes more sense to pay your taxes on the seed now than wait until the future when the harvest comes in and we're in a higher tax environment. Right. Well, I, I don't know what you think about that, but most people I talk to are troubled when they find out that they've got a ticking tax time bomb in their retirement plans. Uh, and the government hasn't even decided how much of the 401k that, that you have in your portfolio or most people have. Uh, they haven't even decided how much they own yet of my money in, in 401ks and IRAs. Gotcha. So these are just some of the conversations we have with clients. And it's not meant to be anything other than exploratory process. And I'm willing to go any direction in the conversation, again, as a certified financial planner. My goal and my role is really just to help folks find the bear traps and the, um, the snares and the things that trip people up and the unseen risks in most people's financial lives. Uh, most people know what they want, Desmond. You know, they, they know that they want the new kitchen remodeled. They know that they need to send their kids to college. They want to go to Disney World two or three times. They know what they want, but what they don't realize is all the things that can get in the way, the ways in which the, the, the snares and the curveballs of life, the disability they didn't expect, the um, sick parent, uh, the job change or job loss that they'll go through two or three times over their lifetime. You know, if we don't have a game plan for that, it's going to wallop us. You know, Mike Tyson said it best. Uh, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. So, you know, having some sort of liquid access to money where it grows on a predictable schedule, where it's tax free, and we can continue to access that money and use it for anything we need. I don't want a bunch of prohibited transactions on that money. You know, like a like our like an IRA, I can't touch that money for most of the things I want to do with the money. You know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of prohibited transactions on those. So this was sort of my own little list. I also wanted to use it to pay off all my old debts, my student loans and all that that I had. I had like six figures of student loan debt. Des, so that was a big project for me. Of course. Uh, I wanted it to be off the radar. Uh, not just of the IRS, but I want it to be off the radar of like creditors, predators, anybody who tried to sue me or, you know, any kind of credit card debts, or if I ever, God forbid, went through bankruptcy, I wanted that stuff to be safe and protected from all that nonsense in case that ever happened. You know, if you're right. ever doing real estate investing, whatever, that's going to be a big project. Okay. So that was sort of my list. There's probably 10 or 12 other things we could do, go on about there, Des, but that's probably enough. Any, um, what what about that list uh, do you feel like was incomplete or what would you want to add to that? You pretty much covered everything. I didn't see anything that's too glaring or anything missing from that list. It seems like all the important things you need to know. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we could probably keep going, you know, like minimal fees, commissions cut to the bone. Uh, let's set it up so there's some sort of estate plan so that if you pass away, it can be passed on without it being riddled with taxes when you pass away. Um, you know, the, the list could probably keep going. Use it as a, some sort of, you know, equity account for your business if you have a business. Um, so this is going to sound strange, Des, but the, the list that I was using, I used it for myself as I went through my CFP training. Okay. You know, when you, when, maybe when you, imagine if you went through med school. There's probably a little part of you in those classes when you're taking, you know, um, whatever, taking uh, med school classes where you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, I, I really need to apply this, what I'm learning in this classroom to my personal life. Right? Um, right. And that's sort of what it was like when I was going through my CFP. I wanted to take what I had learned because I didn't grow up with a silver spoon. You know, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I didn't have a financial education growing up. So going through the CFP and learning those courses was like just drinking from a fire hose and trying my best to really change my family tree to understand what money could do for me and my family, as well as the thousand plus clients we have in all 50 states. 
So I really wanted to make that kind of my goal. Anyway, so as I came across one particular tool, it floored me that it met every single one of the criteria you and I were just talking about, Des. Right. Um, and of all things, it was whole life insurance. Strangely enough, of all things in the financial universe, I didn't think that could do what I found it could do. Mm-hmm. So it's not the old-fashioned whole life that Dave Ramsey loves to hate on on his radio show. <laughs> all right? Right. <laughs> this is kind of a modernized form. of, And, and the, the long phrase is dividend-paying, high-cash-value, whole-life insurance. And I usually just call it bank-on-yourself type whole life to make it easy on everybody. Bank on yourself policies. Uh, bank on yourself type whole life policies does a few things. I'll say a few things then I'll hush. Uh, one, it grows on a very competitive basis and it grows guaranteed every single year. Every single year, no matter what the stock market's doing on a guaranteed basis, it's going to grow more this year than it did last year. Mm-hmm. On a compound basis. I love that. Uninterrupted compound growth. I could stop right there. That'd be pretty awesome. Uh, it's taxed like a Roth IRA in that the cash goes in after tax and then you can access that money totally tax-free. Tax law says we can get both principal and if we do it right, we can get the gains out totally tax-free. Uh, also, we have access to this money. So we can use this money to do anything. We can invest in real estate. We can fix up our own kitchen. We can send our kids to college or Disney World. Whatever we want to do with the money, it's our money. There's no prohibited transactions like there are with IRAs. The the fees and commissions on bank on yourself type policies are cut by about 70%. So the reason why Dave Ramsey's right about whole life is that old-fashioned whole life insurance was just riddled with commissions and fees. So he's right about that. 95% of whole life insurance I wouldn't touch for this for this process, for this project here. But if we're designing it for cash accumulation, you want to work with a bank on yourself professional who's willing to cut his commissions or her commissions by about 50 to 70%. And that floods your policy with what's called cash value. And Des, this is basically the big bucket of money that you can use tax-free for any purpose. Okay? Okay. Uh, And then last of all, and this is the real kicker for me, it is life insurance, so I'll mention that too. It is going to leave my family a legacy tax-free, income tax-free. Uh, which is mega. That's awesome. Nice. Um, But then finally, and this is what blows my mind, you can use this policy like a bank. It's it's almost as if you are setting up a bank for yourself where you can access the cash value as a loan. You can borrow from yourself, but the policy will continue to grow and earn interest as if you hadn't touched the money. Even on the capital you borrow, it continues to grow. Okay. <clears throat> Give you a case in point here. Let's say you got a hundred thousand bucks in cash value. That's the money you can spend and use. Hundred thousand bucks, and you use thirty grand to go buy a car. So you borrow against the policy, and you buy your car. You're driving your car around town, but the policy that year gives you the same growth and dividends on the entire one hundred thousand bucks, like you never touched the money. That to me is. It's unparalleled in the financial universe to let your money be doing two things at once like that. Exactly. That's crazy. It is. It sounds too good to be true. And so I was very skeptical. It took me about seven months to wrap my brain around this. <laughs> so <laughs> my 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 uh, best corollary to this is just our homes. Now, Des, do you rent or do you own or you know, I rent? Work? Rent. Uh, rent. Yep. Yep. So those that have got a mortgage, you you got you, and you might be familiar with this. Let's say you got a, let's say your home is three hundred thousand bucks, and you got a mortgage for two hundred thousand. Well, your home doesn't care if you have a mortgage on it, right? The neighborhood doesn't care if you have a mortgage on your house. Zillow right. doesn't care if you have a mortgage on your house. It's just going to keep on growing, even though you've borrowed against the house, even on the capital you borrowed. That's just like it works with whole life insurance, except whole life grows guaranteed. Okay. Nothing nothing about real estate guaranteed, right? No. (laughs) No way. (laughs) So this this totally changed my life. When I figured this little tool out and I started to implement it in my personal financial life, I used it to help my wife. We had a medical, uh, she broke her foot. So we got, you use the policy's cash value to pay for some medical bills. 
We went on a month-long trip to Hawaii and got growth on our money. Even when we borrowed against it, the policy was still growing like we hadn't gone on the trip. <laughs> Talk about mm. a no-guilt vacation. Des, exactly. we used it to wipe out all of our student loan debt. You know, We used it to invest in real estate. We've used it to help uh, other, other people out who needed to pay off some of their debts. So we were helping some family members. So it's just been an incredible way for us to transform our financial life without having to be you know, Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg or Carl Icahn or any of these wealthy uh, billionaires. Uh, you can do what banks do with your money right. at, what, at whatever scale. It's like being your own independent contractor. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so next topic is how do people meet their financial goals without taking unnecessary risk? Well, yeah, most financial vehicles take us down unnecessary dark alleys. You know, if I've got to go home after a late night out with some friends, whatever, I could take the dark alleys, but that might be an unnecessary risk if I've got a well-lit path somewhere else heading me, heading me straight home, right? Right. So given what we've just said about the bank on yourself strategy, where my money grows on a predictable, guaranteed schedule, I know exactly what my net worth is going to be when I turn 60, 65, 70 years old. And at every point along the way, I've already got it planned out. The financial risk is gone on whole life insurance. It just grows. So, you know, if you can meet your financial objective without taking that dark alley, why would you take the dark alley? You know, I love right. taking, I love taking risk. I'm a business owner. Um, I play sports. I love taking risks, but let's take some necessary risk. You know, let's take the necessary, not the unnecessary. That's folly. Let's take the necessary risk and really expand your business or, you know, um, the other things that you want to do with your life, not necessarily unnecessary risk. Right. Definitely. You got to be very smart and strategic what you do with your money. That's right. That's right. Because not everybody has their best interest in your money. That's right. Yeah. Back to that barber. Yep. <laughs> Everyone else has got a plan for your money. You got to make sure your plan is the one that you put into practice. That's right. You don't want somebody else controlling your money because you don't know which direction is going to be spent. That's right. Yeah. Either your money is going to help toward your future goals or your money is going to work towards somebody else's. There's no other, no other way about that. Not at all. So your next topic is what is the real rate of return that investors can expect from the stock market according to research? Well, you know, this is, I'm not going to hold you to whatever answer you give me here, Des, but okay. I would love to know, what do you think? I'll turn the tables a little bit here. What do you think? Nice. Mm, that's a good question. I've never been asked this. Okay. Well, I feel like if they do the proper research, the real rate of return for investors will be the money that they invest in whatever it is. It's not sometimes not going to be exactly the amount of money that you think, because, you know, some drawbacks happen over time mm -hmm. as well, too, because the stock market, some days are up. The stock market is down. Then it's even it's all over the place, depending on what you invest in. So. Right. You yep. really got to do your research. Totally. Yeah, you do. And, you know, that over one year, it might go up like mad and then drop the next year. Let me tell right. you, let me do a little math magic here, which I know is terrible over podcasts. Um, nope. Folks might go be for listening it. and driving, but here's a little math magic. Um, so, Des, let's say that you invested with me and you gave me 10 grand. Right. 10,000 bucks. And I put that into my magic money investment box here. And I doubled your money in one year, 100% okay. rate of return. Now your 10 grand has grown to what? 20,000 bucks. Right? Yep. All right. right. So you're happy with that. And you're like, Mark, do it again. So I put your 20 grand back into my magic money investment box here. And this time, whoops, I lose half of your life savings. Half of your money is gone. 20 grand Ooh. drops to 10,000 bucks. Yep. That's negative 50% rate of return. Has that yes, happened in the real world? Yes, it has. The stock market Ooh. has dropped. It's dropped by 50% in 
one year. That's happened three times since the year 2000. Could it happen again? Possible. I, I, hey, if it's happened three times in 20 years, it's probable at this point. Yes. Right. Uh, right. So, all right. So, wait a minute. Let's do the math again. So, you started with 10 grand. I dumped, I bumped it up to 20 and then dropped it back down to 10. Do you feel any wealthier at the end of this little experiment? No, I feel like I'm still in the same spot I started at. There you go. <laughs> like yeah, you yeah. Went up, you went down. That's like right. <laughs> it was all paper, it was all paper wealth, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's how it feels when you're looking at that 401k. Go up, go down. You feel wealthy when the when the number is big, and you feel like a schmuck when the money is small again. You know, the next month. Now here's here's the shock. I gave you a 25% average rate of return over two okay. years. Yeah, do the math there. I gave you 100% in year one, minus 50 in year two, divide by two years. That's an average rate of return of 25%. And by the way, according to SEC, I'm allowed to advertise to other people. If I was a mutual fund or an index fund, I'm allowed to advertise that I got you 25% rate of return over two years. Now, does that seem fair? No. That sound like uh, a lie to you too. <laughs> Absolutely, that sounds yeah. like a straight up scam. That's right. <laughs> That's a scam. Well, hey, if, if it's a scam, then Wall Street's a scam. Um, yep. And and sure, you can make money. I'm not saying you can't make investment returns in in stocks. I'm not saying that. What I am yes. saying is that the real return, and this is according to third party research. Okay, not just me on a podcast here, but according to Delbar, which is a third party rating agency and they they do research on real investors d-a-l-b-a-r look look up their quantitative analysis of investor behavior study they put it out every single year and it never changes over a 30-year period if you look out over the last 30 years that includes the great 1990 bull run and you know 2002 to 2007 and then 2011 to through today basically i mean that's a long period of of investment returns we should see what real investors are doing. Now, again, Dave Ramsey would tell you it's 12% a year. Fall off log and get 12% every year on your stock market. Right. That's not true. It's just patently false. The real return, okay, the real return is 2.6% in your 401ks and your IRAs. If you've got a blend of like index funds and target date funds, which is what 99% of people have, um, in fact, that's the default. You, you're just given that when you have your 401k at work. And if you've got your Vanguard account or you've got your Fidelity account, your brokerage accounts, they're all going to be doing over time. You know, I don't care what you got last year. What I want to know is what are you going to do the next 30 years? And if the last 30 years are like the next 30 years, we can expect about 2.6% over a 30-year period. That's a real return. Not this okay. phony average stuff. I don't believe in averages. I, I watch Sesame Street. I know that we're all special, right? No one's nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I don't believe in average, man. That's why our podcast is called Not Your Average Financial Podcast. We actually got right. the name Not Your Average Financial Podcast uh, for this reason, because I don't believe in averages. It's like the old phrase, uh, the six foot man can still drown in a river that's five foot deep on average. Think about <laughs> it. Think about it. We can all still drown. We can end up with a, a positive rate of return and less money in our pocket. I could do that math and magic with you too. But the point is, the point to your question is, the real expected return on actual investment results over a 30-year period is about a, a paltry 2.6%. Now, think about how it's felt over the last 30 years as we have gone pummeling through coronavirus and 2008 madness and tech bubbles and all that madness. Can you really see yourself stomaching another 30 years of that silliness for a no. you know 2.6%? No. No. I, I don't. I can't. Do mm -mm. I have a little money in the market? Sure. I have fun with it. If it goes to zero, doesn't matter. Won't change my life. But it's important to, I guess, just ask yourself, is that what you're willing to accept? You know, the listener, you know, is that what you're willing to accept with your money? This is your money. Doesn't matter what, to me, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you do with your money. It's your cash. I don't need to be, you know, telling folks what to do. And I certainly can't over a podcast. But Des, I'll tell you, man, when folks find out that whole life insurance over the last 50 years has averaged more than the stock market, I don't claim to think that it will always outperform the stock market. It shouldn't. 
but it's a tax-free return. And over the last 50 years, it's done closer to 4 to 6% on a tax-free basis. Again, if right. you look at that return, I told you from the stock market, 2.6, that does not factor in taxes. So if that 2.6% was in a 401k, and then you take that money out, try to take out money out of your 401k and see what happens. They'll take, you know, the IRS will take a little bit of it. They sure will. And that 2.6 becomes like 1.8 after taxes. Sheesh. Pathetic. So anyway, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm off my soapbox, I promise. No, you're that's good. A, that's my answer you're to your here. question. On this, on this podcast, you're here to express yourself, man. <laughs> right on. Or, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little weird. I get it. Uh, no, nope, And uh, I, folks call me not your average financial planner, and I, I, I claim the title. So uh, I'll, I'll hold to it. <laughs> yeah, you got to claim it, man. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so your next question is, how can regular people create wealth? In insane, predictable ways. Yeah, sane is a lacking commodity in our world today. Sanity is a rare commodity. It's it's got supply chain issues. Let me just say, sanity has supply chain issues. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's backed up at the port, and here's the people in the way of your sanity. Uh, we've already talked about Wall Street. We've talked about the I and the R and the S, or as I like to say, if you spell the words the and IRS, you get the word theirs. Uh, it's all theirs, uh, so mm -hmm. they're they're getting in the way of your sanity. I would say credit cards, banks, finance companies, student loan companies, you know the the and and I would even say savings accounts are getting in the way of sanity. I just heard today that uh, over the coronavirus lockdowns and all that, we we as American consumers we've saved one trillion dollars more than we were expected to have saved in normal times. One trillion dollars is sitting in somebody's savings account somewhere. Not one, wow. person, not one person, but, you know, all of us combined. Yes. Uh, more than they expected. So that sounds good, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone says it's good to save. But what are we looking at with uh, regard to our savings accounts? Well, besides the, you know, pathetic interest rate that they're giving us, you know, zero point nothing percent. Um, in addition to that, the, what's the problem with paying cash? Mark, why are you so down on paying cash? People ask me. I had a guy, he paid cash for everything even his real estate deals. And so I asked him, well, you know, uh, nothing wrong with being able to save and then spend. That's that's a sign of success. But let me ask you a question. He, and he said, what? And I said, well, how much interest do you earn on your money after you spend it? And he sat there and he thought about it. And he said, well, Mark, of course, nothing. I wasn't earning much anyway, but now I have nothing to show for my hard-earned savings. All I have is the old car I just bought. Not to mention it's depreciation and stuff in my driveway. And I said, well, okay, what was the real cost of your car? And he said, well, Mark, the car was, I forget what he said. Let's say he said 30,000 bucks. Okay. But the real cost, Des, is whatever his 30 grand would have earned for him and grown to over his lifetime had he never bought the car and just kept driving the old one instead. That's the real problem with paying cash. We break compound interest. Okay. And that is the cardinal sin of financial planning. You know, if you could if you could just promise me uninterrupted compound growth at three or four or five percent versus a unpredictable eight, twelve, zero, negative ten, negative twenty percent like the stock market might give us, I would take the steady, predictable, uninterrupted, even if like it was a lower rate of return, what I would care about more is the uninterrupted growth of that money. Constantly breaking your compound growth, it's like an airplane trying to take off and then hitting the brakes. <laughs> it just doesn't help us, right? Airplanes, no. airplanes are tremendously inefficient, but they get more efficient as they overcome inertia. And the same is true with your financial life. If you could just never break compound growth ever again, you could basically be set for life with a sound, sane money solution. And we've already talked about how these bank on yourself type whole life policies let you do that without market risk. They grow uninterrupted. Even when you touch the money to buy your car or whatever, you're using that cash value as collateral. I'll tell you a quick story. I, I used this policy recently uh, to invest in some real estate. And not only do I get the yield off the real estate, which is nice, 
the rent, the appreciation, tax advantages, but my policy continues to grow as if I hadn't touched a dime of the money. And that is like the best of both worlds. And that brings me true sanity. You know, I'll never buy a car with cash ever again. Heck, I'll never buy anything that's a major expense. Because I'm either going to be sitting on one side of the banker's desk or the other. And I'd rather be sitting on the right side of the banker's desk. Be in the bank to myself, to my family. It just right. changes the, the entire conversation around money and finance. Just a much more sane proposition. This is very true. That way you be in control of your own fate and money. That's right. That's right. So my next question is, how can you use your tax build to build real wealth at the same time? Oh, man. Yeah. Well, so we've been talking about how you can continuously grow your money even when you're using it. And we've been talking about how this is nice for cars or Disney World or Hawaii or whatever. But Des, what about what about your tax bill? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Couldn't you know, some people get a tax refund, some people have to pay a tax. I notice a lot of our clients are business owners, and a lot of them end up having to pay taxes. The truth is we all pay an unbelievably high amount of taxes. Here's the sad truth. In the land of the free, our biggest lifetime expense is our tax obligation to our government. And again, I don't care what side of the aisle we sit on politically, it doesn't matter. But that is a that means you're going to give more to your government than your own children. Right. It's going to you're going to spend more on that one expense, the tax obligation than groceries to your, for yourself or housing. It's the largest lifetime expense we all experience in this country. I just think that's crazy. In serfdom, you know, back in like the um, medieval days with uh, serfs and lords and so forth and in uh, you know the United Kingdom and in England, yes. The the serfs paid a whopping 25% of their money uh, and got to keep 75%. Now, if you added up um, all of the different taxes, state and local, federal, sales tax, income tax, I bet you most of us listening are paying way more, way more than 25% of our money in various forms of taxation. That's another conversation. So for all of the taxes that we already pay, what if you could borrow against your policy to pay that tax? Your policy would be continuously growing on the entire capital, even on the amount that you borrowed against to wipe out your tax bill. Now, some people say, well, Mark, now you got a tax, now you got a loan on your policy. And I, and I say, well, it's it's my own policy. I get to decide if I repay it. Let me say that again. I have complete control over my repayment schedule. I'm the, in essence, I'm my own banker. Nice. If I want to skip a few payments or never pay it off. It's just deducted from my death benefit if I pass away. Now, I recommend everyone pay off their loans. Why? Oh, IRS uh, seems to want money next year too. <laughs> so we might want to have some money ready to go for that. <laughs> so I, I set up my repayment schedule such that my loans are paid off by the time next April rolls around. Mm. And meanwhile, my policy is still continuing to grow. I didn't lose any compound growth on that money. I'm recycling the money over and over again. So if, that was, if that was even... 10% of America doing that, Des, what do you think would happen? You know, if we all just decided, hey, we're going to be our own bankers. Well, first and foremost, a lot of uh, banks would be out of business. They'd be losing a lot of customers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right, man. Revolution. Yeah. Yes. That reminds me of like a, a musician being an independent artist and not being signed to a label, like a label, they're, mm -hmm. they're losing money. Right. Mm -hmm. yep. right. So, say some, say some uh, more about that. Yeah. Whenever you're, you're assigned to a label, you're losing money. Say some more about that. Yeah. Because I feel like most of these artists today, they don't look at the fine print. They just sign the contract. They're like, Oh yes, I'm making this amount of money. I can take care of my family, kids or whatever may be the case. But then down the road, 
it's like you start losing money or not being able to record like music studio time because you didn't pay attention at the beginning of the process. You just right. said, okay, whatever. That's it. That's right. So you just got to pay attention to what you're doing. Man. You got mm -hmm. to. You can't do anything blind. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, you, you, you really do. It's, it's all about intentionality. I have no intention on being um, everybody's money guru here. I have no desire for that. I, I just think you know more than anyone else what your money should do for you. Uh, and I think when we all coordinate together, even if just 10% of Americans took on this concept, um, imagine what would happen. How many marriages would be saved? Right. You know, how, how many sleepless nights, how many suicides could we avoid? Um, you know, how, how many um, trillions of dollars could we pour back into families uh, and keep them out of the hands of banks and finance companies and, and more? So uh, it, it's all about thinking different. It starts with what do you want you your money doing for you? Yeah, because we definitely don't have time to play a real life version of Squid Games out here. So that's right, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh man, the things they do on that show for the money, man. I'm like, man. That's right. That's right. Well, it it's it's a nuts nuts show, and I think it's it, it's so popular because we all kind of know it's sort of true. Yes. So, like I said, it just goes back to being smart with your money, man, and right. knowing what you want to do with it. Yeah, that's right. So, I also think it's best to hire, like, a good financial planner like yourself to help people steer them into the right direction. You know, that's, again, I, I really think the the power of having, I'm, I'm definitely, um, self-serving in saying this, I guess, but what I have found here is that having the conversation and knowing even what questions to ask, you can't Google your way to uh, someone asking an insightful question. Right. Um, you, you really can't search your way to financial uh, insight like that. And, um, you know, I don't need to be, again, um, your financial guru. I think you are your own financial guru, each person listening. Um, but yeah, if, if I can point out some of the bear traps and the two by fours across the forehead that I've had and that uh, a thousand plus other clients have had, if I can give you motivation from the sidelines like uh, Rocky's, uh, you know, Rocky is with Creed, right? You know, when, when yep. uh, anybody's got, got um, stuck in that boxing ring, you need somebody cheering you on and you need someone say, watch out for that left hook uh, and asking the right questions. Some of the most insightful conversations I've ever had have been with a financial planner that I use. Uh, I think having money conversations should be a lot like, you know, the the best conversations of your life. Think back to the moments, your conversations that you've had. I, I remember when I was a little kid, a high school kid. Yeah. Um, I was out under the stars in a big field with my high school friends. And we were just looking up at the stars and we were talking about what life was going to be like as you grow up and, you know, life happens. And just kind of pontificating on the meaning of life I really think money conversations can be that cool um, and that important for folks if we do them right. Too often, you know, we got to basically bring a financial planner in so we can have a witness if things go real bad, right? Right. <laughs> um, I think it could just be a lot better than that if we know how to do it. Uh, and I think it starts with great questions. Yes. Definitely, man. You won't know anything until you ask. They teach us that when we're younger. You don't know something, right. ask or raise your hand. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's right. Having that That's space only... to ask the question. Right. That's the only way you're going to get anywhere in life and grow. That's it. That's right. So at this stage of my podcast, I usually turn it over to my guests and you can ask me any question you want. What do you think uh, what do you think is the future of of success and money for you, Des? What do you okay. think that actually like? Let's say it's five years from now. Right. You can feel free to answer this as specific or vague as you want, but let's say it's five years from now, and okay. whatever financial plan you've got for yourself is working. How will you know it's working? Like, what's the mark mile marker of success for you? Well. 
down the road because I'm kind of starting it already with the merchandising for my podcast and everything. Um, eventually, I want to open my own clothing slash sneaker business because I'm very into fashion. Uh-huh. So cool. I'm very into that. Um, I also want to save money for my kids' future, which I am now. So Awesome. What, so, what, what will that um, merchandise business, what will that help you accomplish? Well, it will help me accomplish um, reaching my goals and dreams because it's something I really want to do. Also, it will help have create generational wealth as well with my yeah. kids and give them the proper knowledge to know what to do, what not to do with money because I feel like everybody needs to know that information. There you go. That's right. Yeah. Hey, shout out from the rooftops, man. You got to know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, man. So that's what I want to do. And I just put everything, hard work, in God's hands. Because I feel like they go hand in hand with each other. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah, Where wherever um, wherever the 401k from, came from, it didn't come from Moses and Mount Sinai. You know, you sure you um, sure it's not six oh one K. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. This, there's another three sixes in there somewhere. I'm betting, you know, uh, yeah, all so. right. we'll, we'll, we'll just go with the three. We'll just may um, bunk that up to three sevens, man. You know, there you go. There you go. Seven, seven, seven. I like it, <laughs> man. It's true. It's true. You know, it ask again, asking um, bigger, deeper questions than just, you know, hey, should I get the company match on my 401k? Um, and figuring out what you want your money doing for me, what you want it doing for you, and and so forth. I think that's just going to be the key refrain from this episode. Um, right. When my wife got her 401k through work, it was just sort of, you know, binder plop right on the desk. Um, God didn't make the 401k, guys. It's so no. young. It's so young. It, it's not even old enough to retire yet. That's how early, like, it was 1982 when the first 401k was issued. Okay. It's not even old enough to retire yet. So what were we all doing with our money before that? Well, I mean, Moses never retired. No. Um, you know, Jesus, he had a great um, retirement plan. Let's just say that. But he's not retired either. No. Um, he's got a house in the sky for all of us, but he's not retired. No. Uh, so, you know, think about that from, from a bigger vantage point. Think long range and keep listening to Des's awesome podcast. Oh, man, I appreciate that compliment. Is there anything you want to say to the listeners? You got anything coming up? I know you've been talking about your podcast. so Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, give everybody that. If you want to search on your podcast player, it's Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Or you can go to NotYourAverageFinancialPodcast.com. Uh, guys, if you want to date me first, there's you know 200 plus episodes on there f- for your listening pleasure. Uh, nice. To get, get you thinking different about your money, your economy, your future. Um, if on the other hand, you want to chat, I'd be happy to have a 15 minute quick phone call. Doesn't cost a thing. And I'd be listening a lot more than yapping. You know, poor Des has had to deal with me yapping a bunch on this podcast. Uh, but I'd be <laughs> mainly asking about you and figuring out if we'd be a good fit and uh, answering any questions you have. So that'd be not your average financial podcast.com. Click on request a meeting. and We'll have a 15 minute sit down chat over Zoom or over the phone telling you guys listen to this man my nickname for him is the guru of finance that's my nickname for him man all right great well hey i'll, I'll uh, pass the baton to all the people who are wanting to take control of their financial future you guys you are your own money guru um and i'll just uh i'll be here cheering you on uh so i'll, I'll happily cheer you on from from my from my side of the ring <laughs> there you go i promise you guys he won't let you get knocked out man that's right Thanks, man. Appreciate the time, Des. No problem. Thank you once again for accepting my invitation, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, keep up the great work. Loving to see what you're up to next. Thank you. You keep doing the same, man. All right. Bye. Take care.